0: Pain is a wonderful thing, Gene Okerlund. Your life flashes before your eyes. Things that are the most important to you become crystal clear. Look at this. You start to begin to learn the meaning of life. Last week when they stuffed me in that ambulance and I looked across and I saw Flair, Sting, Woman, Bagwell, and myself... I realized that we were people brought together not by philosophy but by necessity and I started to think new world order new world where have I heard that and I remembered in the good book it says when the new world order is put into place it signals the beginning of the end of time well WCW It's our world! It's where we live and breathe. And if you want to destroy it, Hogan and the Outsiders, you've already made a mistake that jumps off the page. You're gonna take a baseball bat to a horseman, finish the job, because there's one rule of gang fighting. See, we are the original gang, and we're the most vicious in all of professional wrestling history. They send one of yours to the hospital, You send one of theirs to the morgue. Hello
1: and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is your host, JP John Paz. And on today's feature episode, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire, we have a returning guest. A WWE Hall of Famer, a five-time WCW World Tag Team Champion, a four-time WCW Television Champion, a former WWE World Tag Team Champion, The Enforcer, Double A, The Original Four Horsemen, Arn Anderson is back and back for the third time remarkably on the show. He does not do a lot of interviews and to get him on for three times is an absolute honor. I know Arn very very well. He is such a great guy. One of my all-time favorites. It's One of those things when they say don't meet your heroes not with Double A. Met him many times. Very friendly guy. Very awesome guy. Just total class. Total professionalism. I always thought and people think I'm crazy but I always thought he was a better promo than Flair i just like that style more just thought he was more kind of that believable guy flair obviously unbelievable promo in his own right but obviously a little crazy you know can kind of go off the rails i love that very serious arn promo and then he can get you with the emotion has so many legendary, uh, great promos, like you just heard one right off the top, which is so good about the NWO, and he's had a million of them, So, and it's pretty amazing to say I think he's a better promo than Flair when Flair is considered to be one of the greatest promos of all time. just shows you how great, I think, AA is, and of course, today's episode is brought to you by Gimmick Tree, a Gimmick Tree Entertainment. Get with them on 1122 as we are partnering up and doing a virtual signing with Double A himself, Art Anderson. This will be on 1122, which is Sunday at 1230 p.m. and it ends at 230. So it's going to be a very fun two hours of a virtual signing. Like I said, go to Gimmick Tree Entertainment on Facebook and at 1230 and 1122. Go to their website and go to the Facebook Live part as we will be doing it all through facebook and facebook live and doing this virtual signing autograph and virtual meet and greet it's going to be awesome so again that is gimmick tree on facebook so as far as on this episode today we're going to talk a lot about aew and kind of what he's doing there and his current role and what he's doing as a coach for cody rhodes is he a producer is he not what is his role exactly we'll get into that we'll talk about tony khan we'll talk about the atmosphere We'll talk about Brody Lee, and we'll talk about the Dark Order. But more specifically, though, we'll talk about the Cody versus Brody Lee match and that awesome dog collar match that they just had. So we'll get into that. That is some great stuff. We'll also, of course, talk a little bit about old school. Who is his favorite Four Horsemen? Why is it the original? And we'll get into the other ones with Wyndham, with Luger, even talk a little Pillman and Chris Benoit as well. Going to kind of run the gamut, talk about a lot of great stuff, all the War Games matches his great tag team with Larry Zabisco known as the enforcers got a little funny story and tidbit from him there but I mean man this is such a great great interview I think you're especially if you're an old school wrestler and you're just absolutely going to love it he also mentions on 1122 at that virtual signing he's going to have some surprise memorabilia available for the fans as well I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because that is going to be cool as hell and I wish, uh, you know, I was on the other side of the glass and being able to be able to get some of this memorabilia because it is awesome. It is legendary and it is really, really rare and cool stuff. So without any further ado, I want to send it on over to the interview. But right before I do that, I just want to mention the other podcast, a part of the two man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. You've got University of Dutch with Dutch Mantel. Taskmaster talks with Kevin Sullivan. Taking you to school with Dr. Tom Pritchard. Talking Tough with Rick Bassman, Trump Mania with Lave Margolin, Triple Threat Podcast with Shane Douglas, and last, certainly not least, Pro Wrestling 101 with Just Incredible. For that and everything else going on in the Two Man Power Trip, go to the website tmptempire.com. You could also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at two-man power trip for the latest and greatest from the two-man power trip now without any further ado we're going to send it over to an epic interview with the unbelievably great enforcer double a arn anderson On the line right now Is the original Four Horsemen He is of course a WWE Hall of Famer Five time WCW World Tag Team Champion Four time WCW Television Champion A former WWE World Tag Team Champion The Enforcer Double A One of my favorite wrestlers of all time Arn Anderson Welcome back for the third time To the two man power trip
2: Well thanks for having me John It's been, it's been too long
1: I agree. I totally agree. we we got to have you on uh, more often, but you're too busy doing all your other shows, right, with uh, with Connie?
2: Yeah, you know what? I've been very blessed. Uh, Conrad has not thrown me off the air yet, so we're (laughs) still hanging in there, and I have my gig with AEW, which is a wonderful thing, and uh, I am, with all things considered, I am very, very fortunate to be able to stay as busy as I've been being.
1: You are very busy. You're going to be even busier coming up on 1122, a virtual signing with myself and, of course, with Gimmick Tree. It'll be on Gimmick Tree's Facebook Live, 1230 to 230. Tell us what you're thinking about a virtual signing.
2: Well, I'm just getting used to that. And, you know, it's one thing we have missed. And ask anybody in our business, especially the wrestlers, what what have you missed more than anything during this pandemic, and it's the fans, obviously. If you guys had any idea of the adrenaline rush that you provide and how that makes everything we do fly, I mean, my God, it's not the same product. It's not the same thing. And I know fans out there, through talking to them, have been missing going to the live shows and all and all those things and uh, television tapings and all the things that are involved. And uh, this is the closest thing we can get to it. So, you know, we'll have to make it a personal experience and make it as good as we can for everybody. I know I'm looking forward to meeting everybody uh, that chooses to join us, and uh, it's going to be a wonderful thing.
1: Yeah, so it's so interesting. Obviously, it'll be a part of Gimmick Tree's Facebook Live and Get on Facebook gimmick tree entertainment what do you think about like that actual virtual signing thing because it's so interesting and it's so kind of unique but the i guess you know the, the wrestling promoters came together like well if we can't you know have everybody go out they can go and meet them on facebook and virtually meet them it's definitely you know an interesting concept
2: well it really is and i think it's pretty innovative and you know when we can have a personal conversation we're going to be staring eyeball to eyeball correct yes It'll just be over the the internet, obviously, and it it gives us a chance to you know to meet a lot of people, making a lot of new friends and acquaintances, and I I think it's the next best thing you can have to be in there in person. And the thing is, it's winter time coming up, John, and I might as well say this here and now. You know, I'm a nervous wreck about the possibilities of. Of flu and how the flu ties in with this pandemic and and, you know how the two can work together so safety is the key and to me going into this next season everybody needs to be as careful as they could possibly be and don't put anybody in any danger if you can help it and you know this way we're not we're being safe for everybody
1: Absolutely, I just think it's so kind of cool that you know somebody in the u k or you know, wherever they may be can meet you virtually and it's basically you know they they get to ask you a question or whatever, but you're they see you signing their item and you get to answer the question you know from across the pond or wherever they may be. It's a really cool kind of thing
2: It, it really is, and it you know it's people that I would never get the opportunity to probably meet otherwise. Because I don't go over overseas very often anymore. Obviously, hopefully, that will change too as as time goes on. But yeah, it, it's it really is. It's a nice concept. And hey, you know, anything's been bugging them. Anything they want to ask, anything you want to talk about,
1: doesn't matter. Now, as far as Arn, the podcast with uh, Connie Conrad Thompson. You you just, you know, you check the charts. It's always kind of at the top of the charts. How do you feel everything's going? You're happy with uh, the podcast?
2: Well, yeah, and I don't know what to expect. John, you could probably tell me. I mean, we just had our one-year anniversary, and, uh, you know, I don't know what is a respectable amount of, of subs, which would be subscriptions, you know. I know this. I know it has held up. It's steadily climbed. I'm doing my best to answer all the questions, especially on the Q&A every other week, days that people have, because there's always something they've wanted to ask. Also, when we go back and we review these shows, you know, I was there in a producer capacity, everything with WWE, unless you go back as far as 88 and 89 when I was wrestling there. But, you know, a lot of that stuff is very clear in my head, and I can go back for people that were sitting in the audience, and they go, hey, I was there, this happened, what was that all about? And, you know, I can answer some of those questions that have been lingering for a long long time So it's and Conrad is is a, He's an excellent Guy to set me up On the questions And make me feel comfortable And, and basically There's no rehearsals It is just We get together We get on uh, Headsets He asks the questions And uh, I answer from memory And it's better for me That way If I have to think about it Too much That's a dangerous subject
1: Yeah that's the really Cool thing Is kind of you know, you've been around the business forever. You can get your point of view from a wrestler and from the producer, which I think is really cool because I think a lot of people may not even realize what that entails. You know what I mean? Like a WB producer. So when you kind of go behind the scenes and you tell it, it's great. Is that a really kind of, you know, one of those roles where it's you get praise never and you get the compl- or complaints a lot. Is that kind
2: of one of those roles? Being a producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tough job. Yes, you know, it, you have all the responsibility of whatever your segment or segments are, uh, and you, need, you get none of the credit. When it goes well, talent was outstanding, which I'm fine with. If it goes south, it's on the producer. So that's the part I was not so happy about. So it's, uh, you know, but let's let's face it. Uh, I don't want to sound like a bitter guy. I don't want to sound like a negative guy. You know, I was with WWE for a long time. I was responsible for being around a lot of uh, their top talent over the last 18, 19 years, you know, and and helped them grow and watched them grow. And and one of them was my boss now, being Cody Rhodes, who'd have thunk it way back when, the first time I worked with him, 2010 or whatever it might have been. You know, that this guy was going to be one day in the position that he's in. So I've had ai had a wonderful experience through the last 37, 38 years. I can't say anything negative about just being able to be in the business, John. But for me, if I could be wrestling to this day, I would still be doing that because that's what was really my interest. I wanted to be a wrestler since I was about eight years old. And it's all I really wanted to be my entire adult life until the injury took it away from me. And thank God I had the producer job to fall back on.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting, like you said, Cody. You know, starting off, you really kind of first laid eyes on him in, in 2010, 10 years ago in, in the WWE. Now you're his quote unquote coach, and he's one of the EVPs of uh, AEW. What is your? Are you a just an on screen? Are you a producer, That's an true. agent? Are you both?
2: I am Cody's coach And uh, that's it And I am J.J. Dillon For Cody And uh, that's it That's all my responsibilities are So I have, you know, of course I watch young talent There's some that if I think They might want, and some of them just Come up to me and ask You know, I need some help What do you think, you know and if it's people that that genuinely come and ask for something, I will do my dead level best to help them. But I'm in no official capacity to uh, produce anything, be a coach, be an agent, none of that. I'm strictly just with Cody.
1: Interesting. You would think that you would be in a producer or senior advisor role or something like that with AEW, given like your knowledge and your experience level. I just kind of find that that's kind of interesting that that you're not almost. But
2: the reason I'm not probably is, is I don't want to be John. Oh, okay. (laughs) There you go. No reason. That's a negative on talent company, anything. It is the greatest company I've ever worked for, and that comes from the top, Tony Khan, treating you like a human being and making everyone that works for him's life better. And I've seen that through this pandemic, the way he handled it, the way he handled his talent, what he did for people, what he did for people's families. But when I was asked to come aboard, I had just pretty much was burnt out. You know, and you and I have talked. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's not something that that I ever hammered or or let just sit on the fore, forefront, but you know the last five or five years or so were really tough and it's tough on the travel it's tough on the responsibility it's there's a lot of areas it was a very difficult job. I want to spend the last couple of three years, whatever it is I have left five years tops who knows depending on if I can stay healthy or not. And I just want to enjoy the business from a limited talent perspective where I have no responsibility except coach's corner and being in the corner for Cody during his matches. And it's just I'm just talent and that's all it is and man, it just makes for a wonderful life. And and that's all the ambition that I have, to be honest with you.
1: Man, if I was some of those guys, I know FTR probably uh, talks your ear off, but and Cody obviously does too. Uh, if I was those guys, I'd be all over you. Like, hey, what should I do here? What should I do there? Am I doing doing this right? Especially a lot of the heels. I mean, I would be uh, asking you a million and one questions.
2: Well, off the record and off the payroll, and just because I am so flattered that those guys have patterned their careers after Tully and, my, and myself, we're the template for everything they do. They're just more athletic and and they're just a lot better than we were uh but everything they do is is an idea stemming from something they saw us do those guys get special treatment from me because they deserve it and that's guys that i help if they ask and that's pretty much every week and we sit down and we talk through things and and I do have more experience than they do, but those guys are sharp as a tack. And let me tell you, they watch every piece of film there is. They go back and watch every match that, that's available. They watch every promo. They think about everything they do. They sit down, and they are truly a team. And uh, they're going to make the company, in my mind, Better. They're going to make every team that they face the next morning will be better for having wrestled those guys. And uh, I got all day for them. They're a special case.
1: Now, yourself and Tully Blanchard, Arn and Tully, the Brain Busters, the Four Horsemen, arguably the greatest tag team of all time. You're saying FTR is actually better than you guys? Is that a crazy comment? But To me, maybe, but you're saying they're better.
2: I think that they're more athletic, and they're able to physically do more things than we were ever able to do. And that's just strictly from wrestling moves and just athletically. They're just a lot better. You know, the evolution of of athletes each decade that passes by, I think they get bigger, they get stronger, they get more athletic. Those guys can just, you know, they can just do more things. Now, do I think they were uh, more vicious, more nasty, more cunning, could they do a better promo? than we did, that's always going to be up for, uh, you know, for whatever your opinion may be on the matter. But I think athletically those guys are just, man, they're just two workhorses. And uh, I mean that more than anything. I think we were two separate animals. You know, Tully and I put as much thought into our product as these guys do as well, but it's been a long time since I've seen anybody, Put as much time into the product, and they being the product as these two guys do.
1: What are your thoughts on Tully managing them? Because that is an awesome kind of a rebirth of Tully Blanchard, one of the greatest heels of all time. Obviously, your former tag partner, your former full horse. And what do you think about the combination of Tully with FDR?
2: They couldn't. Be, they couldn't have anybody better. It's another version of what my opinion would be. And, you know, I'm not privy to their private conversations. You know, I'm very, very happy that Tully got that position because he will be able to add some things that they never thought about. Even with Tully missing the 20-year gap or 25-year gap, probably more like it, that he was out of the business, if you watch the promo he did, the first chance he got and I believe it was backstage, and it was referring to uh, Sean. And, man, he let loose, and that was the old Tully Blanchard that had the fire in his eyes that I remembered. So it won't take him long to catch up and figure out what the business actually is. It's evolved some today, but I think they couldn't have a more solid, better ear to bend than Tully Blanchard.
1: I think, to me, anyway, like the coolest thing about aew what they do and maybe this might be a bad thing but i always am looking forward to seeing the older guys you tully jake the snake taz uh, tony Schiavone, jr uh maybe just being an old school fan but I, that's the thing that i always tune in and it's awesome to see like a rebirth uh, of tully and to see you back on tv and see jake it's up it's really kind of uh awesome to see that
2: well that's your era that's that's what you enjoyed when you were a kid i would imagine right
1: yeah, oh yeah big time well
2: yeah, I mean, we always you never forget the things that are in your childhood and the things you grew up on, and you know they kind of stay with you throughout your adult life. when I sat across that table from Jake Roberts and we had our we had our angle, I had never been in the ring with him in all these years. Can you believe that? Wow, never even thought about it. That. that's kinda surprising, yeah yeah our paths have never crossed we were never involved he was a, a heel i was a heel it was one of those things that you never did cross into someone else's waters it was just one of those deals and uh to be able to sit there and have a have a vicious nasty mean-spirited promo sitting across the table from him was one of the highlights of my life because He was as good as anybody out there once he picked up a microphone or as far as, you know, wrestling match. I mean, he was a top-shelf quality guy, and he sold a lot of tickets. He had a hell of a career, and just to be able to match wits with him across the table was a big thrill for me.
1: Yeah, I didn't even think about that. that. That's awesome to kind of have that interaction with you guys. Yeah, you know, for an old-school fan, like, oh, my God, you know, that is great. It's one of the cool things about AEW it is those older guys and is those vets. Do the younger guys take a lot of the advice from, from the vets, or is it almost like this is, you know, their time, they're kind of going to do their own thing for the most part?
2: Well, all I can do is speak for myself, and I can tell you this. Uh, Cody is receptive, 100%. He wants to know my ideas. When we first talked about this position, you know, I said the one thing I can offer you is I I can't do much physically. You know, I'm an old fart now. (laughs) But what I can do is give you a different way of thinking and a thought process that you might not have ever considered. And uh, maybe you just look at, you know, this new Group of talent and the new way They operate and the new way they Perform the new way they think You will have a stable Somebody Standing beside you Giving you Advice that comes from a very Solid feet on the ground Place if that makes any sense mm-hmm. Yep he, he needs To be grounding now Cody can go Out and you and you watch him have a match And he's part Old school he's part New school, and he has managed to evolve into you know, he's one of those guys that if it needs, if it calls for it and he feels it, he got no problem shooting up the top rope and uh, moonsaulting the guy off to the floor. But he can also grab a headlock and squeeze a guy's ears till you believe somebody is actually going to be, uh, you know, possibly getting beat soon. So he is an evolution of, of several different chameleons. And uh, he's the one guy that I do give advice to on a regular basis. And sometimes our conversation at the end of a match, at the end of the week, was all I have to offer is, damn, damn good. And that's it.
1: With Cody, I feel like, and maybe it's just me in my opinion, but I feel like he's been the best part of a W from his old school promos to the way you could just tell he's feeling it. He gets into it. You, you know, he's very believable. He is old school, maybe makes a little bit of new school, but he's very old school. He to me has come off the best out of anybody and seems like everyone is invested in him and whatever he's doing. I feel like they're very invested. Does he remind you of like almost like dusty in, in that aspect where, I mean, he's got everybody kind of on his side, but he, you know, he he makes you feel it. He's been doing very, very good. I feel like he's the standout.
2: Well, I don't, you know what? And I know he's very. The one thing that he wants to be more than anything is he wants to be Cody. He doesn't want to be Dusty's son. He doesn't want to be Dustin's brother. He just wants to be and have his own identity, and it starts there. I know that he respects his brother and has learned from his brother. I'm sure his dad was his idol. And I think the edge that he has with all that lineage, besides that rich pedigree of family that he comes from, is people have seen him from day one evolve from where he started in WWE and get better and get more mature, and get more responsible, and they have actually watched him grow into a man before their very eyes. And now he is a man, and he's in a position to give old-school wrestling fans what they've been clamoring for for the last 18, 20 years, which is wrestling show.
1: Totally agree. He's been the one constant to me, That has been good. Kind of whatever he's been doing, I've been interested in, whether he's cutting a promo or whether he's wrestling. I mean, the dog collar match a few weeks ago, that was just old school, uh, blast and pass. Loved that match. Um, It was the blood and guts as well was a big part of it. But Brody Lee and him, I feel like they really, you know, knocked it out of the park. It was a great match.
2: Brody Lee's a tremendous performer. I've been saying that for years. You know, nobody listened. Uh, And all you had to see it. If anybody knows, you know, if anybody's a talent or, they, or, or even yourself, John, that's been around quite a few wrestling matches, if you had any idea how hard that match was just to pull off and keep you plugged in beside the fact of how physically tough it was. You know, it's uh, hard on the body. Hitting each other in the face with with a logging chain, you know, will mess your whole afternoon up. And uh, those guys did a great job with it. There's a reason that you only have a few of those matches that you can find on the Internet throughout history is because there's only been a few of those matches. They're very difficult. And in watching the fan response afterwards, I think they were very, very respectful of the fact of how difficult it was, how how physical it was on the body, and uh, just what a very different, entertaining match that they were provided with.
1: Yeah, and pretty cool to have Greg Valentine, Greg the Hammer, who obviously had that awesome doll color match back at Star Kid 83 against Pipers. So that was a pretty cool little tie into the old school as well.
2: Well, that was the precedent. That's what I looked at, and, and uh, I watched that match, and uh, I just went, Jesus Christ, these are guys that are giving you everything they got for the business, and uh, they're going to be sore tomorrow, that's for sure. And I asked Greg about it. I said, Greg, was that as rough as, as I figure it was? And uh, he said every bit. So
1: I feel like there's some parts of of AEW that they've definitely been on fire with like uh, uh, Cody's been doing a great job, but there has been some growing pains.
2: A lot of these guys that are put in uh, a role every week, as far as being a star, some of those guys, if you really pinned them down, I bet you, and went back through their history, some of those guys probably haven't had 50 matches. You got to think about it. You know, a lot of their talent roster were strictly Indies. They hadn't worked a territory or hadn't been on the road for WWE or any of those companies where you work even every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, it was just a lot of these guys are very, very great and they're incredible. Some of them just incredible athletes and could do some athletically, some incredible stuff, but also, You know, and I've said this before, and talent misunderstood me. You know, back when I said this, talking about WWE, the difference in the old, old days, and even the WWE schedule. When you wrestle 335 days a year, and you wrestle every single day in a different town in front of a different audience, number one, your body gets in shape. You get in ring shape. Your body almost gets calloused to the beating of every single night. And when you wrestle that many days, even with the schedule that WWE had, but sometimes you would have, you know, three or four days on and then three days off. Believe it or not, in three days, your body starts to soften back up again. And that's where these guys only wrestling a time or two a week, which I'm very thankful for because that means I'm only working a day or two a week, but their body never gets into what you would really call 100% grade A ring shape because they just don't wrestle enough and i think you have guys that have a lot of talent and a lot of uh things going their way to where all they need are reps reps are the key in this business and uh These guys today and these ladies are willing to put it all out there for you, being a fan. I mean, they're going to give you more than your money's worth, and my hat's off to them. Much respect, but you're also going to have a risk factor that goes with that as well. So there's that fine line that we're going to have to find as an industry.
1: Very true. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to the one and only J.J. Dillon, and he said the greatest full horseman of all time, everything considered, is Arn Anderson. Very interesting. I thought he might go flyer, but he said it was you. Double A is the greatest. What are your thoughts on, like you kind of mentioned before, playing that J.J. Dillon role? I mean, that's got to be different. Are, are you taking anything from J.J.,
2: putting it into the role? Um, I'm as different from J.J. as a man could be, and I use <laughs> that as a as – a, you know, uh, when I say I've got the J.J. role – It's meant for nothing but respect. Just being the trusted guy that Cody goes to, and when I tell him something, he doesn't give me that look in the headlights like, are you sure about that? He takes it on face value. And when J.J. would be in our corner, I knew that no matter what we needed or when we needed it, J.J. was going to be there, no question. 100% dependable hundred percent had nothing but good ideas for us and to this day I have as much respect for JJ as anybody in the business. Now for me to be you know compared to or said that that I was the, the greatest horseman ever, I certainly don't know about that. I know Rick will always be remembered as is the the number one guy in the crew, but that's fine. We all had our position. We all had our spot. I was actually the rookie uh of everybody I had the least time in. So I I always felt the most fortunate that I was the young guy that they took into their fold and I became one of them. And and I was treated equally as everybody else. So uh, very kind words coming from James.
1: Now, the other thing he wouldn't tell me, is that you have an awesome nickname for him, and he laughed about it, but wouldn't say what it was. I just was, uh, are you allowed to say it, or is that something I'm like not inside? To
2: say it. It's an inside joke. <laughs> uh,
1: I I was kind of guessing at it. It had something to do possibly with him being a, a chick magnet, but I don't know. He wouldn't reveal it. He wouldn't say.
2: Well, you know, that Cesar Romero work, look has worked <laughs> over the years. That's all I can tell you. And he hasn't aged one day. That's what drives me insane. He looks yes. the same he did in nineteen
1: eighty six. Yeah, so funny. He looked old when I like when I was a kid. Like, man, this guy looks old, but he was young, and now he looks the same exact the way he did forty years ago. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, he he really does. He really does, and he lives close to you too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's not too far away. Uh, probably maybe like an hour south. It's not not far at all. Awesome, awesome.
2: Now, well you he, should, should pop in over there with a the pizza and. Uh, a bottle of rum, and a big two-liter Coke, and you guys will be set.
1: Yeah, go over some old uh, horseman matches. Maybe For watch sure. war games or something, yeah. For sure. Now, the interesting thing is with with the four horsemen, I'm always, like, thinking, okay, Arn created the four horsemen. He said it in a promo. He owned the name. He he is a full horseman. Now you see on the internet all over the place like, oh it's the Four Horseman has been trademarked by Arn Anderson. Don't you own the four Horseman? Like isn't that your creation or is this some you know, migration and bogged down stuff because WWE comes along and they license it or something?
2: Well no, I uh I came up with it. I came up with the name and it was on a promo and it just happened generically. uh it just kind of happened. You know, and it came from the Bible verse and all that stuff. I never trademarked it. I never owned it, but I have since, since I've been the one constant as far as horsemen go throughout the years, I thought, well, I will uh, check into this and I had a lawyer check into it, trademark lawyer, and it's, it hasn't been trademarked. So we're kind of right now in the middle of attempting to trademark that. And, you know, it's. I don't think you can use it just for anything but, and I know you can't because there was Notre Dame had some issues with it, obviously. Yep. Comes from the Bible. You can't really fight the Bible, nor would I want to. Uh, but it's for wrestling purposes, for appearances or the name of a group or something like that. That's solely what I'm trying to do. Whatever we do, if anything, the name going forward. I just wanted to make sure that it was protected. It's special. Somewhere down the road, somebody might want to break it out and use it again. Who knows?
1: And uh, there's guys out there, especially uh, your guy, he definitely knows what he's doing as far as trademark law and and that kind of stuff. And I know he's been trademarking a lot of stuff. I I think he's been helping out Cody with a lot of Dusty's trademarks. So, I mean, that's kind of a very important thing nowadays. So people not steal your – your your you know creations or anything, but like you know you got to own what's yours or you got to keep what's yours.
2: Yeah, and I, if if it didn't, it was never used again in any official capacity. That's okay, as long as I know that it's held in uh, a place in history with some reverence and some respect, and uh, you know it just doesn't get abused going forward. That's that's my only thing.
1: Favorite uh, Four Horsemen, is it the original, you, Oli, Tully, Rick, and, and J.J., or maybe uh, Barry, throw in there Barry, or or is it the original is always the favorite?
2: No, the the you cannot top the original, and I've always said this. However, you know, and it was great. It was absolutely special. It was awesome. However, with Barry, when he stepped into that position and took it from Lex, as far as a performance goes, Barry Windham was a top-shelf performer. And if you're an audience member and you're watching the matches that involve Barry as a horseman, I think as far as quality goes, you have to say that group was the best.
1: Man, the NWA JCP had so much talent. But even I even love Luger in the group. I mean, it, it's kind of like, uh, like an oversight is – Obviously, Ole in the original is awesome. And then uh, Barry was so damn good. It was like the four best workers in the business run a team together. But I think people overlook Luger young at that point, but he was in the perfect position to be advanced being with you guys and learning a lot.
2: Well, I mean, Lex had a body like nobody else. He was the best-looking guy in the business, and he was put in that position to be like the hood ornament for the horseman. And we taught him a lot. And Lex was receptive. He did his best to learn. You know, I just think Lex, his destiny in the industry was more as a single, more out on his own, doing his own thing. We were a group, and uh, we had goals that uh, didn't necessarily fit Lex's goals as far as the way he saw his future career. So worked out fine for everybody, uh, and Barry was a great addition.
1: To me, I don't know why, but I always loved, and it was such a short-lived four horsemen, but you, Flair, Pillman, and Chris Benoit, I always loved that horseman. I felt if you guys had a longer run, it would have been down in history as one of the best, but that is such a great horseman that think it's overlooked, I think.
2: Well, you just got to understand, John. It had been watered down to the point then that it could never be revived to what it once was. Uh, once Tully Blanchard and myself went to WWF, Never, Whatever you had after that was never going to be what it once was. The day we walked out the door, it changed the dynamic forever, and uh, it was never the same. Now, I love Pillman. Chris Benoit was an incredible worker, and I mean incredible. He was as credible as anybody in the business. It just, again, it, it was never what it once was.
1: And then, you know, the NWO came along and, you know, they were obviously booked very strong and the horseman weren't. So it's one of those things where they they definitely diluted the, the horseman name in favor of the NWO for a period of time.
2: Well, oh, and people, you know, I, I always looked at it this way. You know, the company has to move forward. It has to get ahead. It has to be new. Everything, if you're going to have, you know, a wrestling company or whatever you want to call it, you have to keep replenishing the talent pool with new faces, uh, different faces. And, you know, the NWO was was one of those things you never thought you would see Hulk Hogan walk over to the dark side, and it caught on fire and it flamed up, and uh, those guys carried the torch for a while, and it put the horseman even farther back in a hole. So, which is fine. You know, the company was doing well. Everybody had jobs. Everybody's family was benefiting from the from the whole situation. So, it was what it was.
1: Now, as we head towards the finish, head towards the wind down. Just kind of a a generic question. I feel like with you, it it could get a great answer. But just, like, do you have favorite matches or favorite opponents? Is that, like, impossible to say for you? Um, Like, I know you wrestled Flair very briefly, uh, Fall Brawl 95, but that's for some reason one of my favorite feuds, one of my favorite matches. Um, Obviously, you know, you had many, many wars. You and Tully had some of the greatest tag matches ever. Loved you guys against Midnight's Road Warriors. Do you have some favorites?
2: I love working with the Rock and Roll Express. I love working with uh, the Rockers, Ricky Steamboat, Barry Windham, uh, Brad Armstrong. You know, I was fortunate to work with a lot of great guys. I mean, a lot of tremendous talent over the years. Um, you know, to wrestle Dusty Rose on any, in any town, just as over and as hot as he was, it was electric. And uh, you work with the Road Warriors in Chicago, you know, Tully and I, we were the champions. I haven't felt electricity like that in arenas very often. We broke Dusty's leg. He came back with the Road Warriors in Philly, your hometown. They brought when he came through that door. The Road Warriors music played. Dusty was painted up like the Road Warriors. You don't get a rush like that these days because of the story that was involved. Dusty got screwed around and went got the two baddest asses in the wrestling industry. Now he's gonna make it right, and guess what? He did. It was uh it was a different time, it was a storytelling era, but uh same thing. You know, I could take Ricky Morton and be in a match with those guys, throw him out to the floor, go out to do something to him, and when I bent over to pick him up, eighty year old grandmother break her walking cane across my back must have happened a dozen times in different arenas around the country cuz they did not want you hurting Ricky Morton. Those were special things. They were emotional, you know, back there in the day. They loved who they loved and they hated who they hated and there was no gray area and it made life easy if you were in the wrestling business.
1: I know I've asked you this before, but
2: uh I noticed you missed out on saying
1: Larry Zbyszko in there and working with Larry and not not a, not, not a favorite?
2: Larry was one of my favorite people to sit in the rest the locker room and laugh at when he was just being himself. When Larry wanted to turn it on, Larry was a tremendous performer. However, as Larry got a little longer in the tooth, he would just as soon stand on the apron and work the apron. And I would say... Larry, will you get in here and do something? <laughs> oh, Arn, I'm getting heat. I said they're chanting, "Larry sucks." Larry, I, I said, <laughs> "Larry, they mean it." And the heat you're getting is with me. Get in here and do something. Which is our inside joke. But yeah, I love, yeah. I love Larry. You know, we actually we had some some shiny moments, and and I enjoyed being partners with Larry. He was. Great guy, funny, all those things. Uh, And we were part of a tremendous supergroup and really didn't even realize it at the time. The Dangerous Alliance, if you look at the players in that, that should have had a hell of a run with all those guys. Crazy. Bobby Eaton,
1: Rick Rude, Steve Austin. Think about even Paul Heyman, obviously, as the Dangerous Alliance, Paulie Dangerously, as the leader, just uh, obviously the cruncher, Zabisco. Just a crazy, crazy group.
2: Yeah, I mean, it could have been pushed to the moon. It was just the timing was not right. Guys had destinies that were much bigger than being part of that group. That's all.
1: Also, some of my favorite matches – War games. you've kind of been like the MVP of war games. They always throw you in there first. You always have to wrestle the whole match, but, you know, obviously the original war games, if you go back to 87, uh, 91 is such an awesome war games. 92, uh, Dangerous Alliance against uh, Sting Squadron is such an awesome war games. Just always thought you were kind of like the MVP of those matches, but they always put you in there the longest.
2: That's okay. How about, you know, If I was regarded as a guy they could trust to start the thing off properly every single time and be the workhorse, if that's my claim to fame, being the blue-collar guy, I'm good with that. I'm very proud of that position. I wasn't ever going to be the body guy. I wasn't going to be the star that Ric Flair was or some of the other guys. I was the guy, the meat and potatoes guy that got in, slugged it out, and got the thing started properly. If need be, it needed to flare up along the way. I was the guy that could get it to flare up. So, no problem there.
1: As far as kind of the business and just the, really looking back, I know you kind of surmised it greatly there, but really, what would you say if somebody said, you know, Arn Anderson's stamp on bus- on the business? What did he uh, kind of leave behind? What's the, the legacy of Arn Anderson in and the business? Great worker, awesome promo, real. Uh, believable, what would you say?
2: Um, I would say that probably at the time, um, I wasn't a guy that anybody looked at as someone that was, like I said, a a flashy guy, that that's that's the guy that's going to be marketable as hell. He's going to sell a lot of t-shirts, he's going to sell a lot of tickets, uh, Over the course of time, I was a guy that was put in every match imaginable from the first match to the last match, and I wrestled every top guy there was, probably beat none of them along the way. And (laughs) if you go back and check the record books, it would be very, very ugly. But at the end of the day, people kind of look back at me as like, it's like that pair of of house shoes that you got that are so comfortable and. You keep them in your closet, and your wife throws them in the trash, and you go get them out of the trash and put them back in your closet because you're comfortable with them. They feel good. They wear good. They're your, It's your favorite pair of shoes. I think that's kind of what I've become at the end of my career as a guy that people look back on and You know what? I didn't realize it then when I was a kid, but as I got older, that guy was really good, and he made a lot of stuff happen that I thought the other guys were making happen. He's actually the guy that made it happen and it was something stable in their in their life that they remember and I think I'm more respected now than I was when I was wrestling for what for whatever reason. And that may be in my mind too, but that's the way I feel and I'm and I'm great with that. That's that's fine legacy to leave behind.
1: Hey, the record books will show you had a pinfall victory over Hogan, the Hulkster of course, and the nature boy Ric Flair so I mean yes he took a lot of losses but hey you beat the two biggest best names of all time I'll take it now as far as just some plugs want to mention this again 1122 that's November 22nd virtual signing from 1230 to 230 p.m. That is a Sunday it's going to be on Gimmick Tree Entertainment's Facebook Live with AA it's going to be awesome going to be a great virtual meet and greet you have anything you know you want to to those fans that are looking forward to meeting you virtually.
2: Well, I kind of been uh, looking around my closet and stuff, and I wanted to bring a few things that were personal to me, that meant something to me, and I offer them to some folks, and uh, that'll be kind of be a surprise for game day. But there will be some, uh, maybe a few goodies that might you know make somebody's afternoon, maybe make you smile a little bit. We'll see. Okay.
1: That is awesome. And, of course, you could follow Arn and uh, everything he's got going on on Twitter at Arn Show, and then, of course, Instagram at Arn Show Pod. Arn, you got any other plugs you want to uh, throw out there?
2: Yeah, guys, watch AEW on Wednesday night. We're kicking ass, and, hey, we're just getting started. So, please, follow us, support us, watch what you want to watch as far as wrestling shows. That's entirely up to you, but at least give us a chance. We'll make you glad you did.
1: All right, A, awesome stuff. From the greatest four horsemen of all time, Double A, Arn, and Arn. Thank you so much for all the time.
2: John, you're the man. I look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Thank you, Double A. Appreciate it.
2: Always a pleasure, John. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to
1: the two man power trip of wrestling What the World is Downloading.